When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Minefield podcast from Anfield Index Pro, your sports psychology podcast where myself and Dr. Andrew Vincent sit down as often as we can and talk all things Liverpool Football Club and the mind. I'm your host, Alan O'Donoghue, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Andrew Vincent. Andrew, how are you doing? Well, you just introduced, you said it's your pleasure to introduce me, but literally right before the mics were going live, you were talking about how much you dislike talking to me. It's the only part <laughs> of your life, actually, that you consider yourself unlucky for having to deal with is me. So an hour of bad luck coming your way, well, maybe like 50 minutes because we, <laughs> we burned some time down talking before. I, I think I may have called you a prick before we started as well, but you, you know. did. But I, like, I don't. For some reason, I felt like I might not be allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, we, we we're like, uh, and I don't like using Man United players, but we're like Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole hated each other off the pitch, but as soon as they got on the pitch, it just clicked. So there you go. There we go. So how are you doing today? I actually, I wasn't aware of that much animosity until just now. So I'll have to think about that while we. <laughs> while we go through this pod, which is actually perfect because our pod is sort of about animosity. It is. So you do that on purpose. I, I did. I'm a genius that I come up with that on purpose. It definitely wasn't totally accidental. Yeah. Well, yeah. A podcasting genius. Indeed. You just got to listen to uh, Mr. Hendricks over there on the other pods. <laughs> one of the best around, one of the best around. 
I'm not going to deny, like Dave knows his stuff, so I'm not going to. Absolutely. Them. Um, yeah. So we are going to talk about animosity, but in a kind of a roundabout way. So we've just come off the back of Manchester City 1, Liverpool 1. And while a lot of the other podcasts will talk about the content of the match and the goal and everything that comes with it, we're going to talk about Darwin v Pep. And we're going to talk about Darwin v Pep from the perspective of, is this the type of behavior we should be encouraging as fans? And you brought this topic to me, Andrew, and I thought, yeah, there's definitely questions coming. But I'm curious, what sparked it initially for you? It was, I mean, it was uh, listening to Jan Mulby and Trev Downey talk about this event unfold and like, you know, on the one side, how much fun it is. Right. Like, and I don't know, like, I think let's, let's start there. Full disclosure. We're going to talk about, is this a great thing to have or a great thing to encourage? But like, I enjoy stuff like that a lot. Like really enjoy that part of the game. Like hockey, obviously is a sport that I mentioned at least once a podcast, because like, it's one that I played. It's one that I work with. I was a big part of that stuff when I played, that was the kind of player I was. I liked that stuff a lot. Like, um, I got a list of questions. Like I was going to record like a little video for a middle school class, which I guess would be what ages like 10 to 12 year olds to watch just about sports psychology and mental health and stuff. And one of the questions on there was just kind of generally about trash talk and how to respond to it. And is it worth your time? And it was really hard for me to answer because there is some part of me that kind of feels like, yeah, that's part of it. It's fun. Like sport gives you an outlet to express things and behave in ways that you can't quite behave in the regular world. Um, but then of course there is this problem too of how much of that then carries over to the regular world and how much of that becomes sort of caught up in this sort of violence or bravado and toughness and how good is that um, really for us to be reinforcing or engaging in. And so, you know, that's kind of what sparks this for me is like, I love moments like that. I find them so entertaining and then also I have maybe a little bit of guilt around that and kind of um, <clears throat> wondering how good that is for us to really be fully behind. Yeah. And when you brought the topic to me, I did start to think about it in that respect. And, you know, I don't, I haven't watched a huge amount of hockey, but I've, I've watched a, a fair amount of hockey documentaries and especially of those ones where, you know, they're interviewing the guy whose job it was to go out basically and start the fight. And, mm -hmm. and ha I remember wa watching one and I can't remember who it was, but he was talking about how much he hated it, how much, like he knew that was his role. He had to go out and start a fight with somebody and you know, everyone was waiting for him to do it. His teammates were waiting. The refs were waiting for it. The fans were waiting for it. The media were waiting for it. And he said inside, he hated every single moment of it because he knew there was more to him than just being someone who gets into a fight. And I always found that a really striking um, image, you know. And when I looked at Pep and I looked at Darwin, like you, you know, we all love that little bit of needle and, a, and you know, especially when you can stick it to, to City, it's, it's always good. But something about it to me struck that I think Pep won mm -hmm. because, well, for many different reasons, but 
it's 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 one of those things where we as Liverpool fans and we as a club have a lot of the time kind of played up to this underdog or plucky, you know, guys kind of up against the the regime of Manchester United or Manchester City or Chelsea. And I wonder, is that something that actually holds us back? And is what happened with Darwin and Pep something that is a, a metaphor for that in that we are... We don't walk around swinging our mickeys going, we're Liverpool Football Club. Does <laughs> mm-hmm. that make sense? Walk me through how you see that playing out in that altercation. Because I think, like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know how I see that in Darwin versus Pat. So, Darwin's the pup who actually hasn't achieved anything in the game. Pep is the master who has won everything, has won everything as a player, won everything as a, as a coach. And I think, I wonder, was that him just letting Liverpool know back in your box? You know, it's kind of like when uh, Scrappy-Doo from Scooby-Doo like let me at him let me at him and they were holding him Mm -hmm. back and it was just like sit down little puppy sit down Mm -hmm. yeah I see that a little bit now like I I hadn't thought about it at the time just because I was so entertained by the whole situation like and um, to me it was so unnecessary for Pep to even respond because of his status and stature, like for him to get in an argument with a player is kind of ridiculous. I like even with Klopp sometimes, like when he is drawing back and forth with the player and the other team that happens every once in a while. Like, I think that's a little silly. Like, I just think like it's an adult and a kid going back and forth, which actually maybe plays into your point more than anything. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I didn't really thought much about who won. And, the other side of it is it could be simply that Pep was just really pissed off that his team had the chances to win and Darwin just wound him up and and he just responded. Yeah. So and like that could well be the truth. And maybe my explanation was something that was reading way too more much into it. But in general, you know, looking at that type of altercation, what do you think are the the challenges or the downsides in you know, in terms of, you know, viewers watching it, young people watching it, and is there a responsibility on on players and coaches and, uh, you know, the, the sporting bodies to stamp that type of behavior out? Yeah, I think um, I don't like combining those two questions, but they logically should be combined. I think the reason I don't like combining those two questions is because um, – Ultimately, like I, I don't know that I want to watch a sport where those things are gone. But the first part of the answer to that question, like, of course, it influences young people who are watching or even adults who are watching to be a little bit more violent or confrontational. And like the fact when those things get cheered, right, when those things get um, 
reinforced. It kind of makes us all feel like we want to go mix it up too. And I don't know if you feel like that. It just makes me feel like that perhaps, but like um, it just kind of reinforces this behavior of chirping at people and stirring things up and puffing our chests. And like, I think, um, you know, ultimately do I think that that's a, a good thing for people? Like, no, like I, I don't, you know, I do think it's important to be able to stand up for yourself. I think it's important to like, um, you know, not be, totally timid all the time. Like, I do think that matters. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, it does some of that stuff just kind of like in, encourages like a tribalism and violence to this that probably goes beyond what the real purpose of sport is. And I think which that's is like, yeah. Go on. Yeah. It just goes on beyond what the purpose of sport is. I don't know that actually that I had more to say, mm. but you were going to take it somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that probably is the, one of the biggest issues with football, especially, um, you know, like there's, there's always going to be a certain amount of tribalism with any sport, but there's very few sports that I know of that it goes to the extreme lengths that, that football goes to, um, you know, and like I lived in the UK in the mid nineties and while it wasn't the heyday of hooliganism of the eighties, hooliganism was definitely a part of it. So I would go to see matches and I'd go to see, you know, first division matches and championship matches and whatever, um, or, or Premier League matches. And, there was fights, you know, and there was organized fights. And I had friends who were involved in hooliganism and they'd go and, you know, they couldn't wait to go and start kicking lumps out of each other. And and it's just something that I always found really weird. And even the, the chanting and singing of, you know, disasters. And like, look, we, what's good about the Liverpool fan base now is that we are not accepting it and we are speaking up but we can't ignore the fact that many Liverpool fans sing about Munich you know and have sung about Munich over the years so like I think it's I remember a friend of mine around about the time the Hillsborough Inquiry finished and um the the results came in and it was found that the police were at fault and 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 the the organization the the organizations were were at fault as well and uh this friend of mine who's a united fan um went thank fuck that's over in a group chat thank fuck that's over maybe this will stop the scousers bleating and I kind of went, Jesus Christ, where did that come from? And I responded and I said, I hope you and your family never experience going to a match and not coming home, someone not coming home. And all the other United fans and other teams fans in the group were like, man, that's bang out of order. Absolutely bang out of order. And what struck me was the how people will accept behaviors, even in messages, not just violence, you know, fighting with each other, but how people will accept behaviors based under the umbrella 
of football. That would never be accepted across the board. And I like to look at rugby versus football. So in rugby, like it's probably probably one of the most, if not the most brutal games in the world for, you know, physical contact. You've guys 19, 20, 21 stone with no padding, literally plowing into each other. And yes, they have their scuffles, but never is it onto the referee. Like the referees have so much respect within that game that they you know, they have the the authority to change reverse penalties, to, you know, give people yellows and send them off into sin bins or red cards if they're um, mouthing off at them. And, like, the respect these huge, huge people will give to a referee and it doesn't spill over into the terraces. And yet fans can be unhappy at decisions. Fans can not like opposition players, but they'll still go and have a pint together after the match and have a bit of slagging and a bit of banter. But that's all it is. Whereas with football, for some reason, the this explosiveness is just there. And, and, I, and mm-hmm. I've experienced it in terms of like, you know, sitting in a pub in England and United fans, you know, coming over and shouting and whatever, jeering at me in Liverpool shirt. And my natural reaction is to go and get into a fist fight. And thankfully, my brain kind of kicks in and goes, Alan, this is like, they're slagging off a football team. It means nothing. <laughs> like, this right. literally means nothing. Is it worth you jumping into the middle of a bank gang of lads who will probably kick the living shit out here over a game of football. And I know many people who listen to this will go, no, 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 it's more than football. But it's actually not. Mm-hmm. But yet the umbrella of football allows us, or allows us, you know, it's it's not as, it's more accepted as part of the process than in my experience, any other sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting comparison to rugby, which is such a physical and like even more violent sport. And to know that the the culture of that just involves less tribalism and like how that that plays out. And I I, like it is, it's interesting, right? Like these things, um, like they do affect us. And it's like the same way like you can tell the story about like being in a pub and being like, gosh, I jump into the middle of this fist fight or, you know, like I can certainly remember, like I can remember being a kid growing up playing and watching hockey where fighting is, that's a part of the sport, like in a lot of ways, right? Like there's levels where they're trying to cut it out and there's level, like there's places where it's more than a five minute penalty. It's game misconduct or, or whatever, but like um, this idea of a code and defending your honor by getting into a fight was something that absolutely influenced my behavior. I can 100% remember different situations where like just playing a sport with my friends or whatever at 12, like they would do something that bothered me and I'd be like, okay, cool. Like we're fighting now. Like hold this, right? And like talking about this to you as an adult, like it was really stupid, pretty embarrassing, right? Like, I mean, like I'm whatever, he was him. And like ultimately my friends were like, what's wrong with you? 
you know, like we didn't fight a lot. And partly because my best friend who always was making me upset um, was much smaller than me. So like that just wouldn't have <laughs> gone well, ultimately for either of us. I don't really want to beat him up, but like, um, yeah, like this, this kind of thing does affect the people who are watching, the young people who are watching, the adult people who are watching. And I think for that reason, like we do have to be mindful and, you know, it's tough when you have something you really enjoy or something that's like really fun. Like, I, I think there's, there's good versions of it. Right. Like, and if, if you can have that where you can go play a sport and you're playing against another team and you can play hard and they can play hard. And maybe that includes some trash talk or someone being kind of a dick. And like, that is what it is. And like, you know, by the end of the game, everyone's fine and it doesn't spill over. Like that's an ideal situation. Right. And maybe that's how it is. Right. Like Darwin and Pep, they get upset with each other. We have this little argument. Neither of them really thinks twice about it again. It's no big deal. And like everyone moves on and forgets it. Like, I don't I don't see that as being a huge problem, except I don't really know that that's how that works and how that actually affects the people around it. Um, and like, it's interesting Like you talked about refs too, and the animosity in football that's pointed towards refs. And like one of my, actually the same best friend who I wanted to beat up when I was a kid, like, um, he's a, a referee now at like a pretty high level and, uh, it makes me a little extra sensitive to just like the treatment of referees and some of the violence around referees in general. And like, you know, you hear stories coming out of different places of referees, them being assaulted at lower levels of the sport, right? Like a recreational level of the sport where some guys probably getting paid 20 bucks, 30 bucks to show up and, uh, you know, referee these people as they're gasping for air for 30 minutes. Right. Because like, and then, you know, that person gets assaulted or hurt or there's violence and just how ridiculous that is. And like, um, you know, is that the upshot of Jose Mourinho chasing down the ref in the parking lot and making that seem like it's okay? Is that the upshot of players surrounding the refs on the field? Is that the upshot of some of our conversations about referees? And I, I mean, I'm baffled by how much I'm going to say like fans of the Premier League, how much fans of the Premier League know about the referees and where they're from and like who their friends are and what teams they root for and what street they live on and stuff. It is incredible. Like that is not a culture of referees that I've ever heard of in the United States. Like I don't like that. Like, I don't even know the names of most of the rest. And actually in a lot of sports, they made an effort. Like there used to be names on the back of the referees jerseys. They took those off. Right. And so there'll be chants in the stadium of bullshit and some that are actually much more violent in ways that are pretty gross. Um, it was pretty common for, uh, there was a chant that was like, um, basically talking about hanging refs, which was like, uh, that's pretty bad. Mm. Right. So like, um, that's certainly not to say that, the culture around referees in the United States is much better. But I, I think like we have to be mindful of just like, what should this look like? And so you, the second part of your question that I still haven't answered, because I kind of said I didn't want to is like, are we responsible for cutting this out or for stamping down on this? Or like, if there's a situation for like with Darwin and Pep, should I text my brother first thing and be like, fuck, I love Darwin. Right. Like, is that what my response should be? Or should I be shaking my head in disapproval? I'll tell you which one of those I did. It's the first one, you know, but like, um, I don't know that I have a good answer. That sport is in some ways a spectacle. And like, that's, 
part of the spectacle and emotions are going to spill over. So even that's not a big thing, but I, I think probably if I look at it, honestly, finding ways to stamp out at least certain parts of it or put more clarity around what's okay and what's not okay. Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, if we're being really honest with ourselves, if we had a habit or a behavior that we knew we enjoyed, but the people around us could tell wasn't good for us and wasn't good for the people around us. We would hope that the people who had their heads on the right way would say to us, Andrew, you got to cut it out. This isn't good. And so I think if I'm trying to be the adult in the room of my brain. <laughs> I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs mag boxes and games consoles visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code aivpn25 to get 25 percent off at checkout which i'm sure is challenging it is there's not a lot of adults up there um <laughs> yeah and uh, like then there is the other side of the the psychological um use of sport for people to release pent-up energy to release that pent-up uh, you know aggression or you know animalistic you know response inside us where you know for some people we how we get a release of of energy of actual physical energy from our body is to hit something and you know the adrenaline spikes and then we shout and roar and that burns up that energy and then we can return back to our normal sense of of self and our cognition starts to kick back in and our you know uh what's that one prefrontal cortex is that the one yeah uh, that's the, that's know, the adult up there. that yeah it kicks back into gear and we're going okay now we can be rational and sensible and there there's a lot to be said for that side of things where we can we need to, to have that release. So Trent, Alan, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold scores on Sunday against Man City. And I jump up and I cheer and my wife's cheering beside me. And uh, I see the Man City fans behind Trent and I give the middle finger to my television. Mm -hmm. um, my wife looks at me and goes, are you actually for real? <laughs> You're giving the middle finger to an inanimate object. <laughs> and she's absolutely right. But in that moment, that was me going, fuck you, Man City. Right. right. I, I don't like, I'm not against you doing that. And yeah. like, 
I'm in my house doing similar things. <laughs> and I don't know how much of a difference that makes. And I think for me, is it like, okay, it's like, it's my four-year-old son in the room while I'm doing that. Because in that case, I should be more mindful of it than like, like often I'm in the basement he's got the TV. He runs the show upstairs basically. So it's like, you know, I'm in the basement watching it. He's up there. So it's like, I can kind of do that and it's no big deal. But then like, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Like part of me just feels like that's fine. That's part of it. It's part of the fun. That's part of what we're doing. But then also it is important to be mindful of the ripple effects of that. Hmm. And we, like, while we won't be our children's only role model, we will be the biggest role model that they have. And, like, I think this comes back to the conversation starter. You know, what we allow ourselves to say and do under the guise of football is not necessarily how we would conduct ourselves from a day-to-day perspective with the people around us or in work or with our relationships. But when it comes to football, it's I can say and do whatever I want and that's all right. And my family have to put up with me being grumpy if my team hasn't won. And like I know people who will honestly say that, you know, if Liverpool lose, they're in bad form for a week. And, And people have to put up with it. Because that's how I am. But it's not how you are. It's a choice that you're making. Because you're being driven by that part of your brain that's like, well, I'm a little child and I'm not happy. So everyone has to put up with it. And you might Mm -hmm. as well fold your arms and stamp your foot and go, it's not fair. About something that you have zero control over. And yes, we invest in it. Of course we invest in it. We all do. We love it. Like Me and you are sitting here spending our time for free to talk about Liverpool however often we do and because we love it. That's great. And yeah, it's it's brilliant. And there are, we'll put it out there and people will listen to it because they love it too. And that's just the way it is, which is great. And it makes, it helps us form friendships and relationships. But. As you're talking, one of the thoughts I have is like, I don't think we're all responsible for turning our noses up and not enjoying it or shaking our heads at it. But I think we are all responsible for being really honest about how it affects our behaviors, how our behaviors then affect the people around us and having an honest thought about, is this good for me? And is this good for the people around me? And, um, you know, I think, That's sports, not an excuse to not really ask about that sports, not an excuse to not reflect on that. Um, you know, I think not to get too big picture with this, but here we go. Like, I, I also think like we live like in a time in the world where there's more permission to not reflect on your behaviors and take accountability for your behaviors than like I at least have seen, like, I don't I've been alive super long, but long enough to recognize that, Hey, this feels different um, to justify what we're doing without reflecting on it and without being honest with ourselves. I think that's one of the biggest things is um, I think a lot of the behaviors people engage in in different ways, if they're really honest with themselves at the end of the day, they'd be able to say like, no, this isn't, 
how I want to be. I think a lot of those people who spend the week being furious about Liverpool, you know, if they really looked and they said to themselves, well, on a Saturday morning, and, you know, that's, well, one, that's what it is actually for Liverpool most of the time, but really and truly, like genuinely for me, like uh, the seven, the kickoffs, it makes it a 7.30 a.m. kickoff. It's actually super convenient for my schedule. So, like, it doesn't bother me. I love it. You watch the game first thing. Like, we have nothing going on. Nothing's going to be scheduled during that time slot. I'm all in favor of the 12.30 kickoff or whatever it is for all of you. Um, but I think if you were to look at that and you would say, okay, so it's 7.30 in the morning, Liverpool lose. And as of 9.30 on Saturday, you're going to be impossible to be around for the next seven days. That includes the rest of the weekend. It means your kids aren't going to want to really be around you. Your kids want to leave you alone instead of coming up and saying, hey, do you want to play? Do you want to do this? It means your wife might not want to be around. It means whatever events you have scheduled, like people aren't going to approach you or you're not going to be able to enjoy those. Is that okay with you? Is that what you want for yourself? And my guess is that a lot of people would say, no. It's not actually what I want for myself. And I think we are responsible for asking ourselves those questions, you know, and like, um, I don't know. So like I, for a little bit was playing adult hockey with my dad and my dad's, you know, 30 years older than me. So I was probably around 25 and he like, he's 55 then. So we were playing with like a decent range, right? Like there were some other younger guys out there who are like in their twenties and late twenties, but there's also like a fair number of uh, guys who were, 45 50 55 60 and like you know out there having fun and um you know there was a moment where it's hockey so it's like in front of the net and that's kind of like the opposite of in the box and soccer where everything gets called a little more harshly it's like when you're battling for space in front of the net it's kind of like whatever happens like happens like there's much looser calls there like you can hold and you can slash and so that was when i actually played at a younger level that was a place where i got away with a lot we'll put it like that um and so i'm, I'm saying the person who has like i think covering couldn't have been older than 30 but so it's like we're a similar age and so it's like we're kind of battling in front and i was all fine then he goes to skate away and like once i realized the play's gone the other way and no one's looking i give him like a nice chop with my stick on the ankle it was just instinctual right like that's just something i would have done all the time which like i could see al cringing if you could see Al cringing, but that's just that's part of the game like i've gotten chops on my ankle that's something that happens and he turned around and i just immediately was like i'm so sorry Like that was really ridiculous. And I like in that moment was so embarrassed. It's like, we're in this adult hockey game and that was just an instinct, right? That was just a thing that I've done a hundred times that like, you're seeing a whole different side of me right now, aren't you? But like, that's something I've done a hundred times that like this, this person didn't need that. This is so stupid. Like we're out here to have fun. There's no reason to hurt anybody. And like, I think I had to be really honest with myself then about like, how do I want to engage with this? Cause this kid was 20, but if that was a six year old, would I have still done that instinctually? Maybe Would I felt worse about it. Yes. And like, I got to get a handle on myself, you know? And I think that being honest with yourself in that moment of like, you can have fun here and you can play in these games, but like you need to be more on top of how this plays out. Hmm. To tell you the end of the story, my dad and I actually both ended up getting kicked out of the game at the end. (laughs) No way. We were both excused early um, by a referee who was my hockey coach when I was a kid. So it was... (laughs) Um, Uh, You couldn't write it. 
You couldn't. And, and to be honest, that wasn't our fault. But it was the person who I had chopped in the ankle earlier, who then took a shot at my dad, who I took a shot at him. And then when my dad got up, went back after him. And then there was the whole thing. And then we were asked to go home. <laughs> so <laughs> that's also like, is that something that's kind of funny? And to be honest, did my dad and I sort of enjoy that when we were both the only ones in the locker room getting changed? A little bit, right? Like it was sort of fun. And it's not like afterwards that guy came and found us and like we had a fight in the parking lot. Like I think whatever, like it was fine. But like at the same time, was that a good moment? No, right? Like that's not what anyone is there for. And if someone had gotten hurt in that whole thing, would we have felt pretty stupid? Yeah, we would have felt really stupid. And so I think like that's, I think. I've just gone on a random detour into my like adult hockey career here, right? Which is pretty pathetic, but also like, I think illustrates this point of like parts of this are really fun and I don't want to lose those, but at the same time, like being really honest about what parts of that are okay and how are those actually affecting people does seem important and like the bare minimum we can do. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dr. Andrew Vincent. <laughs> Andrew sport psychologist. Andrew Chopper Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and look you know if we if we take us a, a, a backward step and look at this what happened with Pep and Darwin is nothing it's nothing yeah. and right. we've just created a 40 minute podcast <laughs> discussing using it as the, the background for uh, the, this conversation but I do think the conversation is worthwhile having you know the it was a very the conditions were were ripe for the two lads to have a bit of a disagreement and we don't know what was said and who said what but you know darwin had missed a few chances Pep had seen his team miss some chances and, you know, it finished in a draw, which didn't really suit either, but did suit both. And nothing bad happened. They just exchanged words. That was it. Nothing more, mm -hmm. nothing less. But this conversation, I do think, is important for us all to reflect on ourselves and what we allow ourselves to do or say or react versus would we do this on a day-to-day -day basis in the real world? And maybe we would. And we're not condemning anybody. We're not saying that anyone's right or wrong. But we're just posing the question. Is this how you, mm -hmm. you know, do we want, you know, uh, at our funeral, our kids stand up going, oh, dad was a great fella or mum was a great one. But fuck me, when it came to watching the football, we hated it because they were grumpy as shit afterwards if it didn't go their way. Maybe all of us will go, yeah, that's exactly what I once said on my funeral day. Maybe those, some of us might go, no. Yeah, see, I, I thought you were going to go a different way with that and say at your funeral, do you really want your kids to be like, yeah, I wasn't allowed to play adult hockey, just couldn't handle it. <laughs> so I thank you for sparing me because I'm not sure I, I deserved it at the moment. But um, I think I think those are really important questions to ask. And I'm glad you mentioned it because like, I don't want this pod to seem like we're sitting here being like, how dare they argue with each other? 
right? Or like, how dare Pep and Darwin have words or how dare anyone enjoy that? Or that's so beneath us. Like that's, that's not where we're coming from at all. And that's part of why I tell that hockey story. Like I don't want anyone to feel like I'm poo-pooing them for having this different reaction, right? Like I'm clearly have a disposition towards being a loose cannon, which is how I ended up in the job that I'm doing right now is like, I (laughs) recognize the need to rectify it. Um, but I think the question is really important and like to be able to ask ourselves because like, I think it's true. And like, I know it's, it's because I have a friend who's a ref that, um, you know, I hear those things really differently. Um, when some of those conversations take place or when like the violence is threatened or when there's like different, whatever, like I, I do hear those things really differently. And so that's often a situation where I'm just like, if that was someone talking about my friend like this, I'd be pretty pissed about it. You know, I wouldn't think it was okay. I know he's gotten text messages from random staff of random teams later, like or Instagram messages that are just like, oh, like, fuck you, your red card got overturned or whatever. And it's like, he's forgotten about it. Right. It's like, he was just doing his best. Like I, I know that for a fact. And so like on the one hand, like, um, did that bother him a lot? Like, no, like he knows it's part of it. He's kind of used to that sort of thing, unfortunately. But on the other side of things, like if you had someone randomly pop up on your Instagram or your social media to just say something disparaging to you, or just to say something like, um, you know, to get in that one last shot, like it, it feels like a bit of an invasion of privacy, right? This is someone entering your personal life. And I think for most of us, you know, if we had someone from a work context entering our private lives to continue some sort of feud from a work context, that would feel like a bit of an invasion, especially if it's not someone you knew or had a personal thing with. It's just someone who's letting you know, I can enter your private life and continue to poke you. And, um, that, that bothers me a lot. Like that's of course a place where it's not okay. Um, you know, and is that different from yelling something from the stands or, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my, like, I love WWE. I haven't watched it in a long time, but like there was a while where my brother and I got really into it. I love those shows because you can just go and boo and just like fucking go, you suck, boo. And like, that's part of it, right? The person there, they're a heel. They want you to boo. That's the whole thing. And like, there's something about that that is so much fun, Right. Um, but then again, I also remember I brought my brother to it. I was probably like 18 or 19. He was probably 13. We were stuck in the parking lot because these two guys were screaming at each other. And it's like, so we're sitting there in this car while these two grown men have some testosterone fueled argument about God knows what in the parking lot because they just spent the last two hours watching violence. And so now, you know, at 18, you feel like you're an adult, but you're not. And like the two of us are sitting there and I'm positive. My brother's scared. He was 12, 13. And I'm kind of like, oh shit, like what if this goes really badly? You know? And and I think it's hard to separate those two things. Like you have to look at both at the same time. Even like that was so much fun. I'd still am planning on going back to more of those shows because they are a lot of fun. But then there's probably certain people who, if they're being honest with themselves, need to be able to say, this isn't for me. Mm. Absolutely. And, I'll be honest, I was, I've always been quite calm person. I don't really like getting into confrontation, but put me on a football pitch and I'll happily run through you uh, to get the ball. And I've had red cards <laughs> over the years and, you know, that's that was my place to actually just let it all out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it has its and, place. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like, interestingly... 
if we'll go more into my origin story and the real reality of probably why I ended up in sports psychology, um, if you were to go back and watch me playing hockey as a young person, I was doing things that weren't okay. My anger was out of control. And the way that that was expressed was not ultimately appropriate. Mm-hmm. And um, someone should have sat me down and said, like, look, this is a problem. You know, and that never really happened. My mom had her moments where she was like, you got to get this sorted out. Like, we got to send you somewhere. This is ridiculous. Not like a way, but like, you know, to a therapist, yeah. to someone like me, which ultimately I wish that I had had. Um, someone to both say like, Hey, you're allowed to be aggressive. You're allowed to enjoy this. You can have those moments of release, but also like you got to hold yourself accountable for some of these things and you got to get a handle on what you feel and find some other ways to manage that, that aren't, um, as aggressive and not as ridiculous. Cause there were probably times where actually I looked really stupid and out of control. Um, and that's something that I've been able to do in my work since is like not so much on the professional athlete side, like they usually are in better control, but on the youth athlete side, um, having those moments of being able to help people recognize like the amount of anger you're having and the amount of emotion you're feeling is something you need to work on and figure out for yourself. Like you're, you're hurting, right? You're struggling. And like, that's part of what's coming out in this intensity here. It's not just a healthy aggression of you enjoying this. This is like a problem. And, um, you know, I've been able to see a lot of young people really grow through that in ways that are really impressive of being able to recognize like, yeah, that's true. And just like kind of that lift that guise of sport, which makes them feel like it's okay to be like this and be able to say, this isn't really how I want to be. And like, actually I can approach my sport really differently. I can hold myself accountable in my sport really differently. I don't need to use this as a, an excuse for being this way. And it's always really impressive to see them grow. That's a, that's a maturity process, but if they can do that maturity process, that could be accelerated having them working with an appropriate person. So this has been a fun ride, Andrew. Um, and I want to say thanks for bringing the, the topic to the floor to the floor. So final question for you. Should we encourage Darwin? <laughs> no, partly because I don't think we need to. I think he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> I think that we should ask ourselves honestly how things like that affect us. And how we take away from those. And are we able to enjoy those and have some fun with those without turning around and then going to try and intimidate someone in our own life? And if Darwin yelling at Pep causes you to cause a scene in a parking lot, or like if that energy is something you bring with you and then, um, you know, whatever, like you got to be mindful of that. And so we should at least say that if you can't see a ruckus on the pitch without bringing a ruckus into your life, you got to be honest with yourself. Brilliant. Andrew, thank you so much for your contribution today. I've really enjoyed this conversation and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, which is, which is always nice. Um, it's always nice when talking to me is bearable. Exactly. You know? like that's, if I can go, if I can hit bearable for 45 minutes and I'm, I'm I always say, say to every young person that I work with at the end of the first session, was this the worst thing in the world? And they usually say no. And I say, that's grand. I always aim for at least the second worst thing. So as long as it's not the worst, that's okay. <laughs> 
Usually my clients say yes. Is that a problem? No. <laughs> They're just afraid that you're going to hit them with a hockey stick. Uh, but thanks so much, Andrew. Listeners, thank you also for your ears. We really, really appreciate it. And like Dublin Bus, you know, you might not see us for a while, but then you get two in a row pretty quick in a short space of time. So hopefully we'll be back again very, very soon on Anfield Index Pro. Until next time, take care of yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.